Have you ever wondered what Santa Claus, Christmas trees, or Easter bunnies have to do with Christ? Or for that matter, Christianity? The short answer, absolutely nothing. Don't believe me? Look it up for yourself. A quick internet search will tell you that both of those holidays are steeped in ancient paganism. Now, some might confess that they know it has pagan roots, but they'll say they do it to honor Jesus. But is that okay? It's not just Christmas and Easter. How about non-Christian holidays like Halloween or Valentine's Day? Is it okay to keep those days because there's no religious attachment? For most people, they simply do what their parents taught them. It's tradition. We love to see our children open presents on Christmas morning. But there's a deeper question we need to ask. Does God care which days we celebrate? Believe it or not, the Bible does tell us which holidays we should celebrate, and as importantly, which holidays we should not celebrate. That's what we want to explore today. Let me show you a picture. Does this look at all familiar? A couple of these words might sound familiar. Yule, for example. We usually associate that with Christmas. A Yule log, a Yule tree, they're common parts of the Christmas observance. Even the Christmas season is often referred to as Yule Tide. How about Ostara? That looks very much like our English word Easter, and it should. It's where we get the modern spelling and pronunciation of this holiday. Others may not look familiar, but when you learn when they're observed and how they're celebrated, you'll immediately recognize them as a modern practice. Samhain, for example, and yes, that's how it's pronounced, is observed on the evening of October 31st. That's enough to tell us that the modern name is Halloween or All Hallows' Eve. The same is true for Imbolc, which is celebrated in February, and it involves romance, sending candy and flowers, and a young angel with a bow and arrow. Its modern observance is Valentine's Day. This wheel represents eight holidays that have been observed in pagan communities for thousands of years. There are two solstices, the longest and shortest days of the year, two equinoxes, when the day and the night are the same length, and four midpoints between a solstice and an equinox. Now, different countries may use different names, but they all relate to these same eight observances. I challenge you, do your own research on this. Look up the wheel of the year and you'll see a picture very much like this one. But are these eight observances just unrelated opportunities to have a holiday? Or do each of these days have a significance? It may surprise you to learn that this wheel in paganism represents the eight stages in the life of the sun god whom they worshiped. In her book titled Sabbats, a witch's approach to living the old ways by Adane McCoy, she writes something very interesting. Each of these eight solar festivals, which she refers to as sabbats, contribute to the amalgam, the lore, and the practice which has become our bounteous pagan heritage today. But how did these days enter ancient pagan practices in the first place? As humanity strayed further and further from the true God, they started to worship what they could see, things that God had made rather than worshiping Him 
as the Creator. Does that sound too incredible to be true? The first chapter of Romans actually details this. Let's read in Romans chapter 1 and start in verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Suppressing the truth evokes God's wrath. So what things does Paul detail that suppress the truth? He enumerates them starting in verse 19. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were they thankful, but became futile in their thoughts, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Professing to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the incorruptible God to an image made like corruptible man, birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore God also gave them up to uncleanness in the lust of their hearts to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie, and they worshiped and served the creature rather than the Creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. They actually started to worship and serve the things that God had created. Humans have always felt the need, or at least they thought so, to worship something. But once they rejected God, they turned to worshiping the things that God had made. The sun, because it helped the crops grow. The moon, because it affected the tides and helped them in late harvesting. They worshiped rabbits and eggs as a fertility symbol something very important to humans. They even worshiped groundhogs and constellations. We call that astrology today. But they did not worship the God who had created them. Does God want us to worship his created order? Or do we look at what he created, as Romans says, the things that are seen, so that we can honor and glorify him, the one whom we can't see? The sun isn't a god. It certainly points us to the majesty of the one who created it. It's for our health and for our benefit. But is it okay to substitute something that God made instead of worshiping and honoring God? Not according to God's word. This clearly shows that we are not to honor God by worshiping anything that he created. In fact, that's breaking one of his commandments, having other gods before him. If God was against it in the days of the Apostle Paul, why would we think it's okay to do it now? Remember what Malachi 3 verse 6 says, I am the Lord, I do not change. Society may change, humans may change, even religious beliefs may change, but God does not change. So how does God want us to worship him? Did he ever give clear instructions about what to do or not to do? Did he ever say anything about pagan practices or worship? Or is it okay to celebrate these holidays as long as we do it to honor Christ? Rather than give our own opinions, let's look at the Bible and let it answer that for itself. Go to Deuteronomy chapter 12 with me if you would, and let's start in verse 29. It says, When the Lord your God cuts off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land. Take heed to yourselves that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, 
How did these nations serve their gods? I will also do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way. For every abomination to the Lord which he hates, they have done to their gods. For they even burn their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, he says, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it or take away from it. The Old Testament details many of these practices. Jeremiah chapter 7 and verse 18 says, The children gather wood, the fathers kindle the fire, and the women knead dough to make cakes for the Queen of Heaven, that they may pour out drink offerings to other gods, and that they may provoke me to anger. Preparing cakes for the Queen of Heaven, setting up trees and totems and bowing down before them, the Bible even talks about worshiping Baal and Astroth and other false gods. Even the horrible sin of putting their children through the fire to try and appease an angry God in order to curry his favor for that year's crops. God tells us to not look at other religions and then worship him like they did in their practices. He hates that. He finds them offensive and insulting. And he certainly doesn't want us to weave these customs into our worship of him. Yet that's exactly what people have always done. Merging of two religions is called syncretism, something that God said never to do. So let's use Christmas as an example of this. Ancient paganism believed that this day honored the birth of their sun god, the return of warmth to grow that season's crops. They placed this observance at the winter solstice, the shortest day of the year, to encourage the sun god to be reborn and to regain strength so that the warmer days of spring and summer would come. Modern holiday beliefs say that this day pictures the birth of Jesus Christ, the Son of God rather than the Sun God. The birth of Jesus, they surmised, was not unlike the rebirth of their Sun God. As the Sun brought new life to the earth once again, so Christ's birth symbolized new life at the coming of the Messiah. But there's a problem with this logic. The Bible nowhere tells us to honor his birthday. In fact, it doesn't even tell us when he was born. Several hundred years after the death of Jesus Christ, the winter solstice at that time fell on December 25th, and that date was fixed as Jesus' birthday. Even though the solstice has shifted away from December 25th, the observance has remained on that date to this day for the majority of Christianity. That is syncretism, or merging two religious practices into one. In an article titled, The Traditions of Easter, author Jerry Wilson cites a very important concept. He says, it would have been suicide for the very early Christian converts to celebrate their holy days with observances that did not coincide with celebrations that already existed. To save lives, the missionaries cleverly decided to spread their religious message slowly throughout the populations by allowing them to continue to celebrate pagan feasts, but to do so in a Christian manner. Reading again from Edane McCoy's book on the Sabbats, she says, though the name of the feasts may be different now, in many villages the Sabbats are still celebrated with much of their old symbolism well intact. And don't be disturbed if some of your rituals look vaguely like modern mainstream religious practices. Remember that the old ways have been so smoothly adopted by the patriarchal religions and cultures 
that it is often startling when we analyze their origins. Sabbats were appropriated by the early church in order to supplant the old pagan holidays. Again, that is syncretism, and that is precisely what God told Israel never to do. So are there special days where God commands us to celebrate and commemorate in our worship of Him? Indeed there are. Leviticus chapter 23, starting in verse 1, details these days. And the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, The feasts of the Lord, which you shall proclaim to be holy convocations, these are my feasts. And dropping down to verse 4, These are the feasts of the Lord, holy convocations, which you shall proclaim at their appointed time. God doesn't leave any room for debate. These are the feasts of the Lord. They're not Moses' feasts. They're not Jewish feasts. They're God's feasts. And we are to keep them on the days that he appointed. In fact, the word translated feast in the New King James Version is the Hebrew word moed, and it literally means an appointment. God directs us when he wants us to keep his appointed festivals. Chapter 23 of the book of Leviticus outlines the festivals that God requires of his people. Some of them may sound familiar to you. The Passover, for example. Most people have heard of that. Pentecost is outlined in the New Testament. The Day of Atonement, commonly known by its Hebrew name, Yom Kippur. That may sound familiar to you. Others you may not recognize as easily. Some dismiss them as Jewish holidays, not meant for Christians. But notice God gave these instructions to the entire nation of Israel, not just Judah. Furthermore, there are commanded observances in both the Old and the New Testament. We read in the Bible as well as historical sources that these were the religious festivals that Jesus kept, the early apostles, including the Apostle Paul, kept, and the first century church celebrated as well. And yes, they apply to Christians today. Not only are they for us to observe still today, but the meaning and the symbolism of these festivals of God describe the incredible story of his entire plan of salvation. God's directive in Deuteronomy chapter 12 should give us pause. We should not be celebrating the days that ancient or modern paganism observes. It does matter to God. We need to learn how he wants to be honored and not mix his festivals with any other religion's beliefs or practices. There's so much more to know and understand about this subject, and you can learn the fascinating truths about God's festivals and what is Holy Days picture by downloading this booklet, From Holidays to Holy Days, God's Plan for You. Not only does this booklet describe these holy festivals themselves, but it also explains what each day represents in God's plan for humanity. Are you curious? Give it a read. You can download a copy from the link provided. Let's learn to worship the Creator God the way He has detailed in His Word. It's been a pleasure sharing this time with you on today's episode of Life, Hope, and Truth Presents. I'm Phil Sandler. Thank you.